Hello and welcome to Econa Day Unplugged on Tuesday the 14th of May 2019. Mark Pender is stateside and I'm Jeremy Hawkins here in London. Well, trade talks are clearly varied much to the fore again, and last Friday's optimism about a US-Chinese trade deal took a sizable hit as bilateral discussions ended with no agreement and, even worse, fresh import tariffs from both sides. It's not all over yet, as the two presidents are due to meet again in June, but more damage might have been done to both economies and, indeed, global economic activity by then. So, Mark, how do you think mm-hmm. the trade wars impacting the US economy so far, and do you think the latest round of hikes will do any real damage? Uh, well, let's talk about the the last round, the first round, which was March last year. Um, you know, it never really had uh, the uh, the initiation of these um, uh, U.S. and Chinese um, tariffs. It never had a real visible impact on any of the bottom line numbers. You could see um, metals moving up and down in unfilled orders and inventories. But um, and also the uh, anecdotal reports, the monthly anecdotal reports showed a, you know, at that time a big drop in uh, their uh, uh, confidence in the outlook, and also um, dislocate, dislocated readings on prices and what to expect. Um, but we never really saw anything in the bottom line. Now it's getting more serious. Now. Um, a, um, I think what we, if it is going to be visible, and we, it is visible because we did see um, over the last uh, several months, uh, beginning this year, a, a very clear decline in the U.S.-Chinese um, trade deficit, the bilateral trade deficit. So that is coming down um, uh, uh, very clearly. Uh, you know, I think what, where we will see it will be in uh, agriculture and foods. This seems to be a constant, even though it's a small uh, bit of U.S. trade, a lot of this is focused on uh, on uh, on that. So, and can I, sorry, can I quickly interrupt and ask you a question about this? I mean, is it the case that you know, the, the tariffs themselves have been mainly aimed at sort of non-consumer products so far, which perhaps is one reason why it hasn't shown up as we might have expected in the GDP, GDP accounts, or is that wrong? I Well, I'm not sure that's right. I, I know it's focused on machinery and it's focused on agriculture. Those are two areas. Uh, I I don't know uh, what the uh, component is for um, the consumer of a pure consumer product, but there's also I- uh, intermediate products here too. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a it's a, a delicate it's a delicate balance. Now, w- uh, the big problem or the for the U.S. is the uh, deficit in consumer goods. Now, um, uh, if, if that were were to uh, it, it become more expensive. I get the, you know, w- what are the alternatives? The alternatives are, and it's interesting watching, you know, uh, President Trump and 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 Kudlow trying to discuss the, you know, these very clear issues in in this kind of a, you know, mysterious way. It, it, how can it be that mysterious? It really, it really isn't. Either the either the the Chinese. Um, uh, exporters are going to have to absorb this in their profit line, or they're going to have to pass it on, which means that the U.S. Uh, importers are going to have to absorb it in their uh, uh, margins, or they're going to have to pass it on. So um, it can't. If it's getting up to the, the point where it can't be absorbed by either side, then the consumer will see uh, the U.S. consumer will see an effect. Uh, um, but then there's always substitutes. There's substitutes not only for other um, exporting nations, but also domestic 
uh, 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 manufacturing uh, could make up a pickup in domestic manufacturing, even though that takes lead times, it takes time uh, to to develop these uh, the, these products. That's another alternative. Um, but right now, I, I, you know, the, the mysterious thing there is, of course, is that the, the employment is so we're at full employment, and there's not a lot of slack right. for right. for new manufacturing. So. Um, and, and in the new manufacturing, if it was domestic, would it be as efficient as as Chinese imports uh, in um, in price and quality? You know, th- these are uh, issues that are all, all playing out before us in this uh, unique uh, uh, event, and um, and we'll see how it goes. Now, let me ask you about Europe. Now, uh, generally, how is trade? Uh, I can say over here, uh, trade has, uh, the U.S. trade is more subdued. There's less cross-border activity over the last year. Um, now, is that the same case in Europe? And is Europe gearing up to, to make up the difference here? Do they see an opportunity? I don't know. I think there's still a sense at the moment from this side. I mean, okay, you look at the way you know, your asset markets reacted to the news. Obviously, you know, you know, the big slump in the stock market, a big move into bonds. And that was only sort of mirrored, I think, in, in Europe. Now, it's often the case that where the US goes in terms of financial markets, you know, Europe tends to, to, tends to follow behind. But I think there's still this kind of underlying belief at the moment that at the end of a, dra- a day, a trade war is no good to the US and it's no good to China either. So there's a kind of a perhaps hope more than expectation i don't know but there seems to be some kind of embedded belief that there will be some sort of satisfactory solution to this at the end of the day and i think now that's to some one reason why perhaps we haven't seen the follow-through of the selling in the equity market you're continuing well at least so far as far as today's concerned particularly out of europe anyway um but i think you know by and large at the moment um europe's is still kind of doing its own thing and there's certainly been an impact from the slowdown in global trade and the big one, of course, as we, we talked about in the past, is Germany. Just looking at some of the figures, I mean, in terms of the calendar year for 2018, um, by far and away the you know the biggest or most important exporter for the European Union going into China was Germany, uh, and they exported the best part of what about 93 and a half billion euros. So Germany, for Germany, China certainly is a very important market. And of course, when we look at uh, the broader economic data, it's really Germany which is the the major drag upon the European economy as a whole at the moment. So I think it's certainly a concern. I'm not convinced they're necessarily looking to start you know, changing the directions of trade or anything like that at this stage. They've still got the big issue of Brexit, which I think is, you know, they've got to be much more serious for the time being. But clearly, I think if there's no kind of solution between the US and China, then it may well be the case that producers in Europe are going to be start, you know, start to be forced to look elsewhere anyway. Well, also the producers in China are going to have to be forced to look elsewhere, and that Indeed. could be Europe. So you could get flooded with uh, low-priced Chinese goods, right? It's, it's quite, would, pos- quite possible, yeah. In which case, you know, maybe to- the case that tariffs then start coming in here as well, we end up with you know, a real-world trade war, which would certainly be no good for anyone. Yes. Interesting um, time, yeah. It is. Okay, right. Well, Rom's been a whole time on this. Any else we should be looking at as far as investors are concerned for the numbers coming over the rest of this week, which catch your eye? Well, let's let's catch up with what today you saw, uh, uh, European industrial production. 
Okay, yeah, well, I think we've talked a bit about the problems of industrial production in Europe in the past. And although if people remember, we had this surprisingly strong number, uh, was it for January, when we saw a month-on-month increase in production of, what, 2%, which was an extremely large number as far as Europe's concerned. We've seen declines coming through in February, as only down 0.1%, to be fair. And today we had the March figures, and that was down 0.3% for the overall Eurozone. Now, what does that mean? Well, effectively, it means that industrial production, uh, B figures exclude construction, but across the Eurozone in the aggregate have fallen in five of the last six months. So it really does look as if this blip we had in January was something of just a a short term technical distortion for whatever reason it might have been. And underlying trends continue to be soft. And that's certainly consistent with what we've seen uh, coming out of most of the business surveys. So in terms of what does it mean for second quarter growth? Well, it means that as a because we got the weak March, it's going to have a negative carryover into quarterly industrial production growth for the second quarter, which almost certainly means that we're not going to see, I suspect, second quarter industrial production growth matching the 0.8% we had in the first quarter. So in other words, it's going to have less of a positive impact upon GDP growth. Now, Germany put posts its orders, manufacturing orders, which are is a leading indicator for production. Am I following that? So that's what you're talking about is production. Are there other other countries that uh, post order data? They do, but they tend to be very lagging. Um, and we have to go back a lot of years ago now, as I recall, and there used to be a composite orders series which covered the Eurozone. But I think it turned out that the way these orders were measured were, well, as far as the, the EU is concerned, they couldn't sufficiently well harmonize them to make it a consistent series. So we tend to get orders at the moment coming out in dribs and drabs. They also tend to be, I'm not to say lagging so much, but they're, they're almost too tardy to be useful. And that, I think, is one reason and why when we talk a lot over here about the purchasing managers surveys it may be only sort of diffusion index looking at whether orders are up or down on the month but they do contain you know, relatively up-to-date information which for the limited hard data simply aren't available so i'd say it's the pmis which is going to be more you know the more important here and, that and that'll, means that, and that'll so be I just say next week next yeah, week we'll next get, week we'll get, yeah, we'll get the flash PMIs. That's right. So that's going to be one of the big figures for next week. And the big one will be the manufacturing uh, uh, index in the German uh, composite. That came in at 44.5 last time around. is really low. Um, so that's interesting that to me that it, uh, composite or a, um, in, uh, a diffusion index can carry so much weight uh, to, uh, on what the outlook is. Um, it, it does. Over here, certainly it's the case that you know, the PMI is regarded, I say, almost as important as any other you know, individual series set. So I'm not, I'm not going to say they have quite perhaps the same impact on market psychology as the U.S. employment might have. But nonetheless, uh, with the, for European investors, they're taken as being a very good leading indicator, or at least I should say concurrent indicator of you know, what's happening to, you know, to what's going on across the Eurozone. Well, let's talk about U.K., employment that came out the labor market uh, report what's interesting there is uh, how parallel these economies are running uh, you, you have a, a 45 year low uh, at 3.8 percent uh, on an unemployment rate measure and of course we're at a 49 year low here in the US uh, I mean is the UK booming 
it's it's strange isn't it i mean wherever you look almost around the world at the moment you have these sparkling sets of labor market data and yet you don't have the inflation which you know the old traditional phillips curves and the likes would would, would have suggested to be the case so in terms of the uk as you mentioned unemployment here now is down to just 3.8 percent which by uk standards is absolutely peanuts uh, employment growth continues to be very strong and yet we saw wages growth slowing I mean, the, the headline measure we use over here slowed from 3.5% down to just 3.2%. Now, you know, that's the second consecutive month we've seen decline, at least in terms of the underlying measure, which sort of suggests that although the labour market is very tight, it's not yet generating the sort of pressures on wages which you need if you're going to see a major threat to, you know, to the inflation target. And I suppose that's you know, one crucial reason why UK inflation has been below target now, particularly on the core measure, for as long as it has. So you say, yes, there's very much you know, sort of similar situation with regards to labour markets think, in Europe as there is um, in the States. So it's really does sort of, you know, changing times in you know, how the old economic equations work or indeed don't mm-hmm. work anymore. Mm-hmm. Well, let me just uh, run down with what we're going to be seeing in the US. Uh, tomorrow we're going to get uh, April retail sales. Uh, you know, this is going to be a, a difficult, If it's first of all going to be a difficult um, uh, month to uh, adjust because of the April shift. It's on, you know, will they overdo it or underdo it? But we really, I guess, ha- we'll, ha- we'll have to take the, you know, the adjusted numbers uh, on the surface as, um, as being, you know, important. And wh- what we saw was a real drop in uh, auto sales, uh, unit auto sales. Like, they're reported by the manufacturers. That really came down. But outside of that... Um, uh, forecasters are looking for uh, significant, solid, steady uh, strength. Uh, if we don't see that, then um, this whole, you know, like today we had import-export uh, prices. Let, let me just really quickly talk about inflation. Uh, at, the, at the FOMC at the beginning of the month, Jerome Powell was downplaying the 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 movement lower in uh, the core PCE, which was at um, 1.6% in March. It's the last one we have. And uh, he cited uh, portfolio management fees. Well, it, it, all these things were supposed to, were supposed to go up, but they haven't gone up in April. Uh, that was in the PPI report. Uh, airfares were supposed to uh, recover. They have they didn't recover in the CPI report. Uh, apparel didn't recover in the CPI report. And in today's import. Uh, export prices, we have a 0.6% monthly decline in core non-petroleum import prices for the Fed. That's a very significant uh, disinflationary signal. Um, so if we get a weak well, – the risk here is if we get a weak retail sales report, I think that that could have uh, an overlap on the inflation argument and and really – uh, build up expectations that however distant that the next Fed move is going to be lower. We'll also get the Empire State Manufacturing Survey, which is the first factory anecdotal survey we get in the month of May. This survey showed a very sharp reaction last year, initial reaction to the to the initial um, steel and, and aluminum tariffs. And it'll be interesting to see almost immediately. It, and, and they were sampled. The, the, the sample will include last week. So we may be able to see some kind of a, of, of a measurement of the very first one in the U.S. Of, of possible reaction to that. And that'll be followed on Thursday by another um, anecdotal survey, Philadelphia Fed, which also could show um, the, the earliest indications. 
Interesting. And that's a good point. We should just, I suppose, just remind folks that you know, these potential East, Easter distortions, uh, they're hard to measure, but there's something to be alert to. And you know, I'll just, just quickly mention the, the German inflation figures we had out this morning, which in contrast to what you were saying, you know, really did suggest that Easter had quite a big effect. And just in terms of the, the headline inflation figures for Germany. So this is their national CPI rather than the harmonized index. Uh, but that showed inflation jumping from 1.3% in March to 2%. So an increase of 0.7 percentage points. And that is reflecting the core indices, excluding food and energy as well. So either German inflation has picked up you know, considerably, indeed by almost a record amount um, over those two months, or we've got the use of distortions coming through, and I suspect, which I suspect is the case, and we'll see some sort of unwinding in May. Um, but again, it just highlights the fact that yeah, Easter can be very important, extremely difficult for season adjustment guys uh, to work around at this time of year. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, what else should we quickly mention before we prattle on for too long? Um, I just mentioned um, politics will be important. When aren't they important as far as Europe's concerned? We'll have uh, just a forewarning to next week on uh, Thursday, the 23rd, we'll get the kickoff of the big European parliamentary elections um, for Europe. That will be important this time round. Normally they're pretty well ignored, but this time I suspect they could be very important. We'll talk more about that next week. And also um, this weekend we'll get the Australian general election so that could have some implications for perhaps RBA or fiscal policy uh, one way one way or the other um, okay so I think that's probably it for our amble around world financial markets for today but don't forget to keep up to date with all the key market moving data and events in Econoday's global economic calendar next week we'll have our Sydney-based economist Brian Jackson with us and he'll be able to answer the burning question why can't the RBA spell responsibility on its $50 <laughs> banknotes until then on behalf of Mark and myself thanks very much for listening bye for now <laughs>